0: to Natural MD Radio. Your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Hi everybody and welcome to Natural MD Radio. This is Aviva Ram and I am here to talk with you today about a really big topic. And that is, is detoxification a real thing? Now, in my last episode with you, I talked about how overly detoxing or overly cleansing can tank your thyroid and how this causes the body to hit the circuit breaker. And what I said to you in that episode, I promised that I would do An upcoming episode on what detoxification really is. And again, this is a very big topic. So I want to talk with you over the series of a few episodes, which may or may not come exactly consecutively because there may be a couple of guests that pop up in between, but over the next few weeks about what detoxification really is and is it something that we need to know about. So in this first part today, I want to talk about detoxification and something called body burden, because body burden is really where the crux of detoxification comes in and where the really true meaning of detoxification is and what we can do to support our bodies in times where we're exposed to potential significant amount of environmental triggers that lead to many of the symptoms we have and many of the cleanse and detox programs that we find out there. On the market. So, first, I want to introduce you to a patient of mine. Her name is Laura, and she's struggling with hormonal imbalances. She's a 34 year old mom of three young kids, and she works as a human resource director at a not for profit organization. She came in to see me because she was feeling irritable moody and emotional, and that she just needs this feeling of escape every month. She even said to me, and a couple of patients have said this, I find it really funny. I don't know if somebody wrote this somewhere and people picked it up and started saying it, but she said, when I asked her if, he, if she had PMS, she said, no, I don't have PMS. I just get divorced every month, a few days before my period. He's like, I throw the divorce at my husband for a few days every month, right before my period. She gets really significant abdominal bloating and says that she looks like she's five months pregnant around her period. Her breasts get really tender and painful and lumpy in that week before her period, to the point that she actually has to go up a bra size because her breasts are so sore during that time. And then before her period and also throughout the entire month, she gets really intense cravings for chocolate and carbs. She described herself like a fiend for these things. And actually until recently, her periods were always pretty normal. Um, but she's always had really crampy, painful periods, and she also uses Motrin at least two days a month and has ever since she was a teenager. She's also now getting really heavy periods that last about five to seven days, and her gynecologist said, well, maybe you have fibroids. And her gynecologist has recommended both an antidepressant and you know, continued prescribing Motrin for the PMS and antidepressants are a really common prescription for PMS. There's actually some decent data behind them that shows that they can work, but certainly not the first thing I would ever go to in my medical practice for PMS. There's a lot we can do looking at, well, why is this actually happening and why is she having all these symptoms? She also gets constipated and has been for most of her life. She has a bowel movement usually every other day or so, and they're always pretty hard to have. She also gets regular headaches. And then the other thing, is she hasn't quite lost the last seven or eight pounds of her baby weight. And based on her body measurements, she actually is technically a little bit overweight. She sleeps okay, but her youngest child who's um, still occasionally nursing wakes her up during the night. So she gets some sleep disruption. She said her diet is pretty much kid oriented, meaning she eats a lot of snacks and you know, mac and cheese and kind of grabs things on the go. And she usually has at least one coffee, but often two coffees every day. She doesn't have any known environmental factors. Like she doesn't live near a factory or work in a factory or work in an agricultural setting where she would get a lot of environmental exposures. But her symptoms really are very typical of what we see when a woman is having too much estrogen in her system. And where might this estrogen come from? Well, one of the places estrogen comes from is our bodies. Of course, we make estrogen as women. And another place that it's coming from is significantly from a lot of exposures in our environment. And we're going to talk about that more. So a typical medical approach for a patient like Laura is, as I mentioned, antidepressants for the PMS, Uh, Midol or ibuprofen, some other medication for the menstrual cramps, and often getting put on a, a hormonal birth control to help regulate her hormones. And we know that some of these can be effective and in severe cases, there may be a role, but this is just how the medical model approaches pretty much every condition. It's a pill for every ill. And sadly, very few doctors ever learn anything about the fact that what I call our ecology, our total ecology, or what the environmental medicine field calls the exposome, all the things that we're exposed to externally and internally, like pharmaceuticals we take, or stress, or the very real toxins we're exposed to our environment, contribute to what manifests in our symptoms and our health. And so what I want to talk with you about today is detoxification. And like Laura, so many of the women who come to me and write to me and um, come to my website want to know how to do a detox because like Laura, they are struggling with symptoms. They've done enough reading to know that maybe there is something contributing in the environment or in their food, and they want to get clean. They want to clean up their diet and they want to go on a program that can help them to eliminate And the problem is that while many of these detoxes that are available can work short term, as I shared with you in the previous episode of Natural MD Radio, sometimes when we go on them too extremely, or if we're already exhausted or depleted, they can actually backfire. So what I'm going to talk with you today is a little bit more about this idea of body burden and what we're being exposed to and how that can contribute to what's going on in our symptoms. And I'm going to introduce you to the idea of detoxification and what detoxification is and how that differs from detoxes and cleanses. And then in the next few episodes that we spend on detox, I'm going to talk with you about how to support your body innately to its own natural detoxification processes that you're gonna learn about what they are today. And then we're gonna have many upcoming episodes where we talk about how you can reduce your body burden and if you're a parent, how you can also do that for your kids. Because we know that it's not just women that are being exposed and experiencing the consequences, but we're seeing things like 50% reduction in sperm count internationally in men. We're seeing urogenital problems like hyper in boys. And we're seeing a lot of other problems that happen in the neuroendocrine or neurological systems that have to do with this. And I'm going to talk more about that. So detox is a shortened word for detoxification. And there is some crossover when we talk about detox and detoxification. Historically, people did spring cleanses, for example. This is something that pioneer people did in Uh, And we can see evidence of this in the historical literature of traditional herbal medicine from early herbals in the United States. And you can find spring detoxes going really far back into history where people used herbs, for example, like liver herbs, herbs for the liver, to help move the liver and get the bowels going to help eliminate. And we're going to talk about that more in our upcoming episodes where we talk about how to support innate healing capacities, because while not everything was a clear picture In some of these traditional or even ancient practices, there was something that people were onto. And we now know that the liver and our detox elimination systems do play a huge role in detoxification. And that's part of what some of these detoxes and cleanses are trying to get at, but partly miss the picture and partly miss the picture, and totally miss the picture that this is something our body is able to do and should be doing, not just even on a daily basis, but on a literally continuous Continual basis. And there are ways to support that so that you literally never have to do a detox or a cleanse because you're making sure that your body's doing it every day. It would be like saying, you know, once a year or twice a year, you need to take a three-day shower because you didn't get clean enough with all the showers that you were taking every day, right? That it doesn't work that way. You shower every day or every few days. You're keeping yourself clean. You don't need to take a three-day shower or a five-day shower twice a year. So think about it that way. Um, This is something that you can learn to do and support your body in doing naturally all the time, which is what it's supposed to be doing. And there are reasons that our bodies are getting burdened, not just from what we're being exposed to, but in terms of our nutrition and our lifestyles that we can enhance and bolster so that we can reclaim these innate capacities that our ancestors actually had intact because they weren't overburdened by the environment and more factors that we're going to talk about. One of the problems that I talked about in the last episode um, on um, detoxification and our thyroid is that there are a lot of modern connotations when we talk about detoxification. And that's why I want to differentiate the term detox from detoxification. Detox or cleanse are these short-term, you know, one-day, three-day, 10-day, 30-day programs that people offer, do, sell, um, and sometimes take you on a guided journey on that usually include restriction and a lot of elimination Um, and that, so when we think about detox, think about that. When we think about detoxification, let's think about supporting the body's own inherent or innate capacities. So detox is, uh, I think, complicated in several ways. One is that, first of all, it doesn't mean that when I'm saying detox, that these programs don't work. And there is an actual set of metabolic pathways that we recognize as medically um, recognized metabolic detoxification pathways. These are well-known. We learn about them in medical school. You learn about them in nursing school, naturopathic school, et cetera. They're well-established pathways. And when we talk about detoxification... I'm going to talk about how you can get those pathways supported and activated. When we talk about detox, it's a much more liberally used term. And while some of these detoxes do rely on herbs and dietary changes that do help sometimes stimulate, for example, the liver or elimination, or just take a bunch of stuff out of your body that's adding to your body burden, a lot of food toxins, a lot of these detoxes actually have absolutely no evidence of benefit and some of them even have evidence of harm. For example, back in the 70s, coffee enemas were really popular, and they've had a resurgence in the past few years. And I've done a really deep dive into the medical literature on this, and there is literally no evidence that they work to stimulate the liver or to prevent or heal cancer or reverse disease. And it's not just the studies aren't there. People have done studies on them and shown that they don't do that. And in fact, some studies have found that they create more harm than good because they've actually caused people burns in not good places. And studies have also shown that just drinking a cup of coffee actually activates the liver more than doing a coffee enema dust. So, you know, there's people out there and sometimes even people with MDs after their names saying that these things work and it can seem very convincing. And when we're sick and feeling desperate, it's tempting to try these things. But keep in mind that just because someone has an MD doesn't mean that they're using that MD for best research and best evidence. And we want to be especially careful when somebody has books or products behind that to sell um around that and of course I'm someone who has books that I sell too I try to be very transparent of that but I always say you know feel free to ask me questions and challenge me and it's one of the biggest reasons that I actually do not make a single penny from any supplements that I sell through my website because I want you to always know that the information I'm providing is completely in the interest of your best wellness. You'll notice that we take absolutely zero sponsorship and zero ads anywhere on my website and zero sponsorship for my podcast. So I actually pay out of pocket to do this because it's so important for me to get the information to you. So, um, you know, you want to be careful with, of course, being discriminating and being discerning. Similarly, Um, Just because a lot of what's out there is based on some small sound principles of detoxification, like taking toxins out of the diet, removing inflammatory triggers. The problem is that sometimes these get taken to the extreme and things can get a little or a lot out of control. Those are supposed to be temporary practices that you do for a few days. And as I shared with you in my last episode, my patient who did her first detox actually felt great after it It was when she did the second one that things got really extreme and she had some pretty significant adverse effects from it. Also, some people live like they're detoxifying all the time. And so they're always on a detox, like the way they eat and the way they live is what, like what you should be doing on a three-day detox. So they live on bone broth and they live on juice and maybe eat one meal or two meals a day. And that meal is completely plant-based and it sounds really good and it looks really sexy, you know, on these beautiful Instagram feeds and businesses and stuff. But I am the doctor who sometimes sees some of those people and know that while it looks really beautiful... Yes, some people are radiantly healthy, but a lot are struggling with things like thyroid problems or feeling tired all the time. So we have to really, sometimes you don't get that look under the hood of what's really going on. And, you know, what is it? The expression, don't judge your insides by anyone else's outsides. Um, you can't judge somebody's insides by their outsides either when you're looking at their Instagram feeds and their beautiful curated wellness sites and pictures. So, you know, keep in mind, it's also what works for you just because it is or isn't working for someone else doesn't mean it's right for you. But we're not meant to live, living just on, you know, juice and broth. And I mean, keep in mind, our ancestors didn't have Vitamixes and juicers. Um, This is a modern phenomenon. And yes, broth is a really important healing part of the diet, and that is a traditional part of the diet. People didn't just eat the broth, they ate the meat, and they ate the vegetables, and and they ate starchy roots and things that kept them energized. So some of the principles um, are great and can lead to improvement for a short period of time, but one of the most common stories I hear in my practice that brings people to me uh, with certain symptoms like Hashimoto's or deep fatigue are those folks who came and did a one-week liver cleanse or a colon cleanse or a juice fast and felt great, but then they did it for three weeks or then they repeated it and they felt awful and then their symptoms came back with a vengeance or sometimes they had completely new symptoms they hadn't struggled with at all. Another thing that's really important is that it's very easy as women particularly to have what i call not an eating disorder but disordered eating and i i experience it myself i mean i have to go on television i have to go on stage many many times a year And there is definitely pressure to like an internalized mental pressure to look a certain way or be fit or be slim. And I, you know, of course I hear those voices in my head and I tell those voices to go take a hike, but for all of us as women, there is this incredible pressure to look and be a certain way. And again, so many of these health and wellness sites promote and promulgate that, right? I mean, if Gwyneth Paltrow wasn't five foot 11 and whatever she is, you know, 120 pounds and stunningly gorgeous, would Goop be what Goop is? And we don't know what she does behind the scenes to look that way. She may live this great lifestyle, but, you know, I had dinner with a really dear friend recently and I said to her, wow, you look amazing. Amazing. And I said, you actually look different than I've ever seen you look before. And she's 40. And she said, well, I haven't gotten Botox in a long time. I think the Botox is wearing off. And I thought she was kidding at first. And I said, you're kidding, right? And she's like, no, I've been getting it for 10 years. And I thought to myself, "Mm -hmm, you can't judge your own self by what you think anyone else is doing. And this is someone who, you know, I know as being very natural and wellness oriented. So it was surprising. So again, you know, keeping in mind that it's very easy for us to start to accidentally, if you will, get really hung up on detoxing and cleansing because we think we're getting healthier, but it is sort of a way that we're confusing having disordered eating. And I see this a lot. And there's now a name for this and it's called orthorexia. And it's actually a disordered eating pattern where we get overly focused on eating well. And the thing is, is that as my lovely oldest daughter was saying to me recently, It's one of those eating disorders that's actually rewarded, right? In our culture, we get rewarded as women for being thin and being beautiful. And now being thin and being beautiful is getting equated with being healthy and vibrant and all these other words. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't eat healthy, and I'm very focused on making sure that my diet is ecologically, environmentally sound, and personally healthy, but food also should be about pleasure and joy. And when we start to get to where we're thinking about detoxing pretty often, or cleansing, or you're starting to make your whole life a detox and a cleanse, I think that's a really important time to step back and check out more intimately what our relationship is with food, because we shouldn't have to do that. Now, I understand that when we are really sick, and also when we eat certain foods that are triggers for us, it can become terribly anxiety provoking. And it becomes really easy to start eliminating one food after another to well, you are only able to tolerate juice and bone broth. And that does happen. And we're going to talk about that in upcoming episodes, what to do to figure out which foods are a trigger for you. We're going to revisit the elimination diet and how to do that in a really healthy way. But what I'm talking about is that obsession with being well. And again, when you're sick, I understand that 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 feels like your obsession because all you want to do is feel like you used to feel or feel like you know you should feel. But as you're going to learn in the upcoming episode where I'm going to talk about how to support your innate detoxification capacities, often restricting to the point where you're not getting enough nutrients, actually is harmful to detoxification. So we'll talk more about that in the next episode. And, you know, one of the things that's really important and where I want to tie this into um, body burden, which I promised you we're going to talk about today, is that we are facing incredible burden in our bodies right now, in a time in history that is absolutely unprecedented. It's entirely new and has evolved literally just over the last 70 years. It started in the 1950s or so with a concerted campaign in the United States called Better Living Through Chemistry. I may have mentioned this in the past, but if I haven't, just to give you an example, and you can look online and Google Lysol as a douche and I'm not kidding you, if you Google Lysol as a douche, you will come up with all these ads from the 1950s that were in newspapers and women's magazines and directed at women about how if things were cleaner in that department, let's say, their man would be happier and their man would be less likely to stray. And women were truly encouraged to use Lysol as a feminine hygiene product and this went on until the late 60s, 1960s. And it wasn't just lysol as a douche, but it was lysol and disinfectants in and on everything. It was the advent of antibiotics. It was the advent of adding chemicals into animal feed and into agriculture. It was using DDT as an agent to kill mosquitoes to cut down on malaria, which used to be a rampant problem in various parts of the United States. And so this better living through chemistry has led to a situation where currently in the United States, there are an estimated 80,000 chemicals, various chemicals in commerce. And Over 95% of them have never been tested for safety and very few of them have been tested specifically for safety in women's reproductive health, on our hormones, on our ability to get pregnant and how this impacts everything from PCOS, endometriosis, menstrual cycles to uh, fertility and even reproductive cancers... And the fact that these have an impact intergenerationally, which I'll talk more about in upcoming episodes, and which is actually one of the big themes of my book called The Hidden Hormone Epidemic, which I'm actively working on. Rachel Carson in the 1960s tried to warn us about the potential for impending doom in her famous book, Silent Spring. And she was largely ignored at the time. Now there are large bodies of research. I mean, I kid you not, if I printed out every article on my computer that I have read or I'm in the process of reading on just women and children and reproductive health problems as a result of environmental toxins, I'm not joking when I say to you, I have barely touched The amount of literature that's out there. And if I printed out what's on my computer right now, I could easily make a stack that went from floor to ceiling in my office. And I have nine foot ceilings just to give you... And that is not hyperbole, that is quite literal. And even though there are large bodies of literature, the problem is there's a complete disconnect between those bodies of literature and what doctors are learning in medical school. So part of what I try to do in my work in communicating with you guys is to bridge that gap, to say, look, there's this information out there. It's not that your doctor's stingily not telling you about it or not doing anything about it. It's that your doctor literally has no idea. We do not get this stuff taught to us in medical school at all, unless you go into environmental medicine and then you learn about it, but then you only learn about it in the context of big exposures, you know, Aaron Brockovich level kind of things where, um, you know, there's industrial accidents or agricultural workers, but not the impact that these toxins are having on us day to day. And the thing is you don't need large exposures. In fact, it used to be thought that there was a dose level that sort of led to the fact that something became a poison. But now we know that parts per... basically zillion. I mean, the equivalent of if you dropped one tear, like one tear from your eye into a swimming pool, that one drop equivalent in your body diluted at swimming pool level could affect your hormones because hormones come in parts per billion in our bodies. So and the other thing is these things accumulate over time and particularly for women, we have more body fat, we store more of these environmental chemicals because they bind to body fat and they also impact our estrogen. So your doctor's pretty much never learning about these things. There's a huge gap in how to even test for these things and we don't know. So I've used this term body burden quite a bit and what does it actually mean? It's a scientific term that's used to describe the net result of our body's exposure over time to environmental chemicals in relationship to what our body transforms and eliminates. That's called biotransformation and elimination. The next episode where I talk about how to support your body's innate detoxification capacities, that's what we're gonna be focusing on, these natural biotransformation and elimination processes. And so we're going to, you're going to sort of learn in a nutshell, what your doctor knows about from physiology, but nobody's ever connected the dots on what's happening in our environment and what's happening in your body for you. And that's where we're gonna connect again to detoxification. Just to give you one example of how serious things are, there was a study that came out in 2016 and some researchers were looking at the body burden of fish in Puget Sound in Washington state. They were actually looking at salmon and this is the same salmon that was going to end up in our food supply and possibly end up on your dinner table. These were salmon that were going back upstream and these scientists were looking at what kind of chemicals they had. And just in a salmon that they evaluated, they found that there was a cocktail of over 81 pharmaceuticals, not even just not even including environmental chemicals, but pharmaceuticals. They found Prozac, Advil, Benadryl, Lipitor, cocaine, Cipro, Ciprofloxacin, which is an antibiotic that now has a serious black box warning because it can cause permanent neurological problems, other antibiotics, Flonase, Aleve, Tylenol, Paxil, Valium, Zoloft, Tagamet, Oxycontin, Darvon, nicotine, and caffeine. And this is just an example of the pharmaceuticals alone, let alone the pesticides, herbicides, and other chemicals that they found that would literally end up on our dinner tables. They also found residues of enormous amounts of personal care products, fungicides, and antiseptics. And this is just a smash- of what we're exposed to in our environment on a daily basis. And look, I'm not trying to be chicken little here and say the sky is falling, and I'm definitely not trying to scare you, but this is some real stuff, ladies. This is some real stuff. It's the stuff that scientists know is going on. It's the stuff that I research about. It's the stuff that I'm committed to in my personal life as a woman and a mom, and why I've gone organic for 36 years now. And we'll talk about that in an episode that I'm gonna do as an offshoot of this on organics and does it really matter and how to make those choices economically in your life and which ones to make. But this is some real stuff. These are contaminants that are found everywhere. And how do you know what to do about it if we don't face the magnitude of the problem? And the reality is, is that this is sort of one of the hidden hormone epidemic causes of fertility challenges, which now one in six women struggle with, or 50% of the sperm count levels in men declined globally, or... 1 in 10 women at least struggling with endometriosis or PCOS. And there are huge contributors to obesity, thyroid problems, and others. We know that persistent organic pesticides that are also used in other countries that have been banned in the United States, things like DDT, end up right back in our own backyards, right back on our dinner tables, if you will, right in our grocery stores. Because what happens is we started exporting these chemicals in the 1970s when we deemed that they were too unsafe for use here and other countries continue to use them and manufacture them. And what do we do? We import our grapes from Chile. We import our bananas from other places. We import our pineapple, we get meat, and all kinds of products from countries that are still using these. Also, these chemicals end up all over the world because they're distributed in the water, through the soil, and in dust. So chemicals, for example, like DDT that have never been used in the Arctic have been found in the the fat of polar bears. And guess where most of these accumulate? In women in our fat tissue, and also in our breast milk. So the idea that we're being exposed to this overwhelming body burden is very, very real. And medicine's dismissal of it is incredibly significant to the point that when I was in medical school, um, I was applying for a residency in a particular program at an Ivy League school And I sat down with an OB-GYN who was interviewing me. And at that point, I was planning to do my primary research as reproductive women's health, but also environmental medicine and the impact of these toxins on women's reproductive health. And the man who was interviewing me was a world specialist on estrogen. He actually created the estrogen patch. And this was long before the lid blew off on BPA being a ubiquitous environmental problem. And he literally said to me, quote, unquote, because I will never forget these words, you really don't believe that BPA crap, do you, Dr. Rahm? And ironically, it was a doctor at that same Ivy League school that a few years later blew the lid off and said BPA is a major reproductive toxin and that pregnant women... And women who are of reproductive age because it bioaccumulates in our bodies should not be exposed to it to the extent that several states banned BPA in its inclusion in shopping receipts and airline tickets, what's called thermal paper, because those are mostly handled by women. Women are mostly the cashiers, women are mostly doing the shopping, women are mostly the airline attendants at the gates. And the impact just from handling those thermal receipts was so much absorption that it could affect reproductive health for the mom, but also for her offspring during those pregnancies. So we know that there are over 80,000 chemicals in circulation. We know that there are doctors out there saying things to other doctors like me, like you don't believe in that BPA crap, do you? They just totally don't get it. And yet this is a very real issue. So, you know, and there are many, many more exposures that I'm not going to talk about in detail today. Many, many more chemicals that I'm going to talk about in the hidden hormone epidemic. And you'll see forthcoming articles on my website, more talks with you on natural MD radio. Um, But this is real. And so what is it? that happens to us, well, there are a number of different ways that this impacts us. Many of you have heard of something called MTHFR, and many of you have written to me with concerns about it because you've heard about it. And I did do a podcast on it so that I could help explain it and also provide some reassurance about it and what you can do about it if you have that MTHFR. But the big concern about MTHFR, if you have that genetic change, is that your DNA won't get methylated, it won't get protected. Well, one of the big things that these environmental chemicals do is they interfere with DNA methylation. They prevent your body from protecting your DNA from damage by these chemicals. Another thing they do is create something called oxidative stress. They actually damage the cells and the cell walls and some of the organelles in the cells so that they don't function properly. One of the big things that most of these toxins do is act as something called endocrine disruptors. Endocrine just means hormones, And they act in the hormonal system in many different ways. They interfere with the production of hormones. They interfere with the binding of your body's own natural hormones so that your estrogen or progesterone or testosterone can't do the work that they're supposed to be. But the other thing they do is they mimic our hormones. They look like estrogen. They look like testosterone. And they're also more strongly and more toxic acting than our own natural hormones. So we get an excess overdose, if you will, of accumulation. And so for women, when we get too much testosterone, we can end up with problems like PCOS. When we get too much estrogen, we can end up with symptoms like my patient Laura had that I shared with you, or much worse, we can end up with things like endometrial cancer or breast cancer. They also impact the thyroid and the thyroid has a very important set of roles that it plays in our metabolism, our cognitive function, our heart function, our elimination, and also whether our gynecologic hormones are functioning properly. So when your thyroid is impacted, you can have irregular periods, skipped periods. You can have heavy menstrual bleeding. You can have menopausal bleeding. Um, You can have fertility problems, miscarriage problems, problems producing breast milk, and Exposure to environmental chemicals is solidly documented. Again, imagine that stack of papers from floor to ceiling, and that's just the tip of the iceberg of what's on my computer. Additionally, these chemicals can cause obesity through a number of different mechanisms. They can impact our metabolism and also cause diabetes. And I'm going to talk about this much, much more in upcoming episodes. And again, this is the heart of what the hidden hormone epidemic is going to be about. It's not out until. Um, late next year, it's coming, it's in process, I'm sorting through a lot of different data to bring you the best book and the most effective plan that's easy to use based on my over 30 years of working in women's health now. So these endocrine disruptors also affect the next generation. When we're exposed to them in utero, they have also now been associated with why our daughters may be going through early puberty. Not maybe, it's why so many young women are going through early puberty. I get emails, ladies from moms who have six-year-old daughters who are starting to grow breasts or eight-year-olds that are getting their periods. Kotex now has an entire line of products for girls who are eight to 10 years old who that have hearts and stars and unicorns because we're seeing early menstruation. And, and we'll talk about that separately, but it's a really, really serious problem. But not only have these been shown to be associated with reproductive problems, but I mentioned neuroendocrine problems, problems in the neurologic system. So everything from ADHD and autism to Alzheimer's disease. So really, really important. So when people say detoxification is BS, you know, you read these detractors of big online websites and say detoxification is BS, that's the BS. Detoxification is not BS. It's real. It's important. We all need to know about what we're being exposed to and how to help our bodies adapt and stay healthy in the face of millions and millions of years of evolution, helping our body to have really fabulous detoxification systems, but 70 years of new chemicals that our bodies were not prepared by those millions of years of evolution to process and deal with. But we do have the capacity to deal with them and we have to know what they are so we can avoid them. And again, that'll be another episode in this big kind of expose, if you will, that I'll be doing, uh, continuing to do for you on this topic and kind of making a central theme In my website and in my podcast, it won't be the only thing we talk about, but I really think so strongly now, I really know that so much of what we're dealing with in our health, yes, we can absolutely mitigate it with our diet. We can absolutely change it by relaxing more and meditating more and healing our stress response system. But these toxins that we're being exposed to are very real and we can't see them and we're told that we shouldn't be worrying about them by you know, Environmental Protection Agency, which is only becoming increasingly compromised in this administration and turning a blind eye to a lot of what is going on with even the meager protections that were in place. I mean, since it started in 1972, the EPA has banned fewer than 200 chemicals. And most of the chemicals that existed up to then, were just grandfathered in. They were never tested for safety. They were just grandfathered in by loopholes that were created. Similarly, the EPA and its management of water detoxification plants is horrifying. When I was doing my research for the adrenal thyroid revolution and started reading about that, it was so beyond anything I even imagined in how many loopholes there are that allow... These systems that we rely on and are supposed to be able to trust to keep us healthy are letting things get through into our water system that are terrifying. And the lead in the water that we all learned about from Flint, Michigan, it's not just Flint, Michigan, it's all around our country. So, again, I don't mean to be scary, but you know, I feel like it's time to just really speak the truth and not sugarcoat things for you. And I'm trusting that like me, you are a mature, fierce woman, a fierce mama. And it's like, hashtag, and I'm saying effing, time's up on this BS that we're being fed that is making us sick and making us feel like we're the ones who aren't eating well enough or thinking well enough or meditating well enough. No, time's up. And what I want to share with you is my 35, 36 years now, 37 years now, I started this path when I was 15, 37 years now of learning where these things are coming into our lifestyles, learning how to keep our lives really healthy without becoming obsessive and crazy around this idea of becoming overly clean and detoxing all the time or buying the bill of goods that's being sold to us by the now what's becoming health and wellness industrial complex, which just supplements alone are over $24 billion. I just got an email from an organization that I'm on the scientific advisory committee for. Um, It's a not-for-profit herbal supplements alone, $8 billion, billion with a B, in 2017 or 2018, I forget what the numbers were from this year or last year, but $8 billion just in supplement herbs alone. This is a big industry and the big industry is selling us on these detoxes and cleanses And you don't have to go in that direction. You can use your daily lifestyle in a really wise way, use your money in a really wise way to take back your health, say enough is enough, and to take back your kid's health. And if you haven't had kids yet, this is an amazing time to start to protect them because it's really true that it's not just us, but it's generations down that these impacts affect and cause true serious illness in. So just amongst women, some of the things I mentioned that we see are fertility problems, PCOS, menstrual problems, fertility problems, obesity, breast problems, and then of course all kinds of cancers, early puberty for our young girls, and thyroid problems. But I also didn't mention that these can also impact The adrenal system, this is now well-established pathways of how this happens and also cause anxiety and depression. So there are things that you can do and there are states that are catching on. I mentioned the BPA coming out of what's called thermal paper. Connecticut and California both banned those. BPA was largely removed from many, many products, particularly our food products because we were getting exposed to it through food lining food packaging lining like cans. Unfortunately, it was replaced by something called BPS. The B is for bisphenol, and this is a whole class of compounds called phenols that act as endocrine or hormone disruptors. And these are just one of many, many, many different categories of chemicals that are interfering with our bodies. A 2009 study by the Environmental Working Group found over 250 chemicals in the umbilical cord of newborns that they had picked up and had come through the placenta through mom into baby at birth. And this study has been replicated by several other independent organizations, and some of them has found as much as 300 environmental chemicals to the point that even the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology is now stating that OBs should be knowledgeable about talking to pregnant women about their environmental chemical exposures. But are they talking about what we're getting in our food? No, they're talking about the big toxin exposures that we get to, you know, agriculturally and so forth. And are OBs getting this training? No, zero. And are OBs talking about this with their patients? Absolutely not. So again, it becomes a matter of you guys becoming citizen scientists and listening to podcasts, hopefully like this one. And, you know, people like me being committed to getting the information to you because it's not going to come from our government. It's not going to come. I know I'm sounding like a conspiratorialist and I'm totally not a conspiratorialist. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm not. But again, this stuff is for real. And, you know, sometimes I'm sitting on my sofa or in bed reading articles and I'll just say something out loud to my husband like, oh my God, you got to hear this. And, it's just shocking. It's really shocking. It's really shocking what people know and just dust under the rug and pretend we don't know in our government agencies that are supposed to be protecting us. So what is detoxification? Well, what we're talking about is these metabolic pathways, these pathways that our bodies have. And when I say pathways, I mean nerves and hormones, and other chemicals that exist in order to break down toxins. Now you're thinking, okay, well, Dr. Aviva, you said these toxins didn't exist in our environment till 70 years ago. So why would we have evolved for millions of years to have these pathways? Well, because plants and environmental exposures that are natural, also have some of these types of toxins or other toxins in them. So our ancestors were eating plants and they were getting all kinds of what are called metabolites from plants. They were getting things like alkaloids. Plants have phenols in them too. A lot of the herbs that we use, for example, that act as antibacterials do so because they have phenolic compounds in them. And these phenolic compounds fight bacteria and they fight viruses. So the natural world has these in them and our bodies needed to get the benefits of them without getting the toxins from them. Or perhaps one of our ancestors figured out that, you know, maybe those mushrooms aren't such a good idea to eat because after I ate them, I couldn't stop throwing up and I couldn't see straight and, you know, I couldn't urinate and I was salivating and you know, but they didn't die because they had this detoxification system that protected them. Now there were some that they ate that they probably died and their relatives definitely passed on the information. We should never eat those red ones with the white dots on them. But these systems have protected us for from time immemorial. But what's happening now is that we're seeing two things. And this is kind of the heart of how I practice in my medical practice and also the heart of what I taught about in the adrenal thyroid revolution and what I'm gonna talk about in the hidden hormone epidemic. It's very simple principles. One is that we're getting overly exposed. So our body systems are overwhelmed by what we're being exposed to in terms of stress, environmental toxins, toxins in our food, pesticides, herbicides, antibiotics, pharmaceuticals, et cetera. We're getting more than we can really handle. But the other side is not just overwhelm, it's undernourishment. We're not getting the nutrients that our ancestors actually got from some of those plants, those wild plants that they were eating or from our diets that make those systems actually physically work. So in the next episode of Natural MD Radio, where I talk about biotransformation and elimination, I'm actually going to post a picture on the page with the podcast that shows you exactly what it looks like in these different phases of detoxification that I'm going to teach you about in this next episode and exactly how it is that the nutrients we get from our diet are exactly what our bodies need to make these detoxification pathways work and how proper elimination by having a healthy microbiome and regular bowel movements, for example, also help our bodies to eliminate those once our liver breaks them down. So you're going to learn all about that and how to make sure that you're getting those nutrients and taking care of detoxification and elimination. And then in another episode, I'm going to go into a deep dive with you on what these different Exposures are specifically how do we look at what we're getting in our food? How do we look at what we're getting in our body products? How do we look at what we're getting in our household products? And how do we, in an affordable way, start to say, Enough is enough. I'm not going to let this in my home anymore. I'm not going to put this on my body anymore. I'm not going to eat this anymore. I'm not going to make sure. I'm gonna make sure that my kids don't get this to the extent that we possibly can look at that. So it's not just gonna be one podcast, but we'll have different episodes on body products, household cleaners. Um, I'm gonna have interviews with people from, for example, the Environmental Working Group. If you haven't already listened to one of the most important podcasts I feel like I've done, it's the one where I interviewed Dr. Philip Landrigan, who's one of the world's leading experts, if not the leading expert, on environmental, environmental medicine for children. So have a listen to that when you get a chance. So what we're going to talk about in this detoxification and elimination dynamic duo is exactly how to facilitate your body's optimal pathways, this methylation and other forms of detoxification that we already know how to do. Now, I want to end by saying that... While this is dire, it doesn't just sound dire, there is some really, really good news. There have been about a half dozen studies now which show, for example, that when we put kids or adults on an organic diet, just experimentally, so everything organic, when we take all the environmental food exposures out, we're not even talking about body products or household chemicals, just the things that we get through our food, atrazine and other chemicals that act as these disruptors, in just five days, we can see a complete washout of what's being stored in the body and what's circulating in the bloodstream. So you can turn this around. Now, obviously, some medical conditions that we are born with, we can't just fix with diet, Um, but there's a lot that we can prevent and there is a tremendous amount that we can turn around. And in my practice, I have seen dramatic improvements in endometriosis, reversals, of PCOS, women struggling for years to get pregnant, get pregnant without ever using IVF or IUI or pharmaceuticals and really truly taking their health back naturally. And it comes down again to these two principles. What can we remove that is a trigger or an insult to our body's natural innate healing intelligence? What's getting in the way of our body's natural capacities to move toward wellness? And what are we missing that we need to add in to nourish and restore these systems so that they can do their best to support us? With that, it has been a pleasure sharing with you today. And I look forward to bringing you more on truly what is probably to me the heart of one of the biggest challenges we're facing. You know, there's a lot that's going on in our world that is threatening and scary. But there's one thing that I can say we all have in common and that we all need to be really mindful of is that if we can't drink our water, if we can't breathe our air, if we can't trust our soil, then that is a global crisis that affects us all and it's something that we can all really do something about. And it truly does it truly just does start with us doing it ourselves and doing it in our homes. And people then ask you, huh, what are you doing? You know, you look great, something seems different. Or, you know, you just start to feel better yourself and you share it with other people. It's each of us doing it ourselves, and as Margaret Mead said, and I know has been quoted so many times to almost be trivial, but yet is so important, never doubt what a small group of committed individuals can do. So I invite you to join me on what really truly has been a lifelong journey that allows me to completely enjoy my food, have a wonderfully fresh home, use beautiful cosmetic products, wear gorgeous clothing. Get my kids and my grandkids wonderful toys and gifts that have absolutely no or extremely small carbon footprint contribution to the toxic load. And so I invite you on this journey. I'm so grateful you're here. If this has been informative, if you feel like it's something that other people should know about, I invite you and ask you to head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, drop a comment and a review and share it with your friends and family, or if you're a practitioner, you know, your colleagues, clients, or patients. And I will see you soon for yet another episode of Natural MD Radio